What's up, everybody, and welcome back to episode 158 of the Designated Players Podcast. This week is another installment of MLS History Retold, where we will cover the 2002 U.S. Open Cup run for this Columbus crew, and follow that with the 2002 LA Galaxy season, where they nearly won the domestic treble. My name is Andrew, joined by my good buddy Connor, and this is MLS History Retold. How you doing, buddy? I'm excited. We're about to talk about basically the entire 2002 season outside of like CCL. Yeah, literally. And that's that's kind of what I was when I started doing this research. I'm like, wow, this covers all of it, which is pretty cool. I mean, it's only focusing on two teams, but it still covers a good bit of it. So, yeah, I mean, I'm sure we're going to touch on a couple of other teams involved, maybe not as in depth, but yeah, yeah. Don't worry. When we write our book, all the other teams will be involved. Of course, unless unless you're, I don't know, can't think of it. St. Louis. No, actually, St. Louis will probably make it. You could put in a whole story on all the back passes they got in the first couple of weeks. Oh, everybody will be involved. By the time we actually sit down and write it, we're going to have 40,000 40, teams. Everybody's going to play everybody at least like a quarter of a game. It's going to be great. It's going to be like 18 different conferences, but still no pro row. And uh, <laughs> teams will still be limited to three designated player spots, but they'll have a little bit more TAM. <laughs> the dream. That's actually one of the uh, the the proposed pro-rel ideas is 80 first division teams that the top, the top four, like in you basically just take the country and you split it in four time zones. You know, okay, anybody, anybody who finishes top four in this side, this side, this side, this side goes into a super league. And the Super League plays for the Champions League spots. Like this is so stupid. But let's we're abolish not... all talk of Super League. No Super League here. No Super League in Europe. We are not going down the pro rail talk today. That is like an entire season's worth of episodes. But uh, instead, I want to ask you, sir, what scarf are you rocking? It seems like you're going directly across the uh, rivalry lines here. I'm not. Uh, I do not have an LAFC scarf. I do not have an LA Galaxy scarf. So instead, my sole goal was to just piss you off. And so I brought out the Columbus scarf, even though I'm not talking about Columbus because I don't have a Galaxy one. And I wanted to see you get toxic. Literally, like you you ask us all the time, like, why don't people like me? And then you do stuff like this. And it's like, you really haven't figured it out yet. That's wild. <laughs> That's mad. As I'm covering a crew topic, of course, the crew scarf returns for yet another episode. Eventually, we will move on to better ones. <laughs> I like this scarf. Six scarf. It's a Six nice. Scarf. It's a nice one. It's it's OG. It's pretty good. Um, but eventually, we will move on to uh, other teams and nations and all this other stuff. But uh, as it comes to early MLS, there were only ten teams to choose from, so we're still working our way out of it. Yeah, um, and even when they added two more, two just got abolished, basically. Yeah, but we will actually be doing an episode all on Miami Fusion. Um, I, don't, I haven't told you that. That's a surprise. But we'll have a guest on. Sorry, for, Tampa. <laughs> we'll have a guest on that on for that one who will help us walk through kind of the big moments of that, that season's history um, or that team's history through their seasons. So um, keep a lookout for that. Shall we get on? Go for it. All right, let's do a little U.S. Open Cup talk. Up to this point, the Columbus crew, the team that I'm focusing on today, had been trophyless as Tottenham Hotspur. 
dust in the cabinet, spider webs all over the place, seven years of falling short in MLS Cup, Supporters Shield, and US Open Cup, which included a 1998 US Open Cup runners up medal after losing the Chicago Fire in extra time. We covered that before. Go check it out in the earlier episode. A team was filled with familiar faces with much, much talent, like podcast friend John Bush, Brian Dunseth, Brian Mazanov, John Harks, Kyle Martino, 20 years old, Brian West, not to be confused with Brian White, Robert, as I've now learned to pronounce it, Varzika, Jeff Cunningham, and Brian McBride. And they found themselves itching to get themselves and then manager Greg Andrulis some silverware. Historically, U.S. Open Cup has always been the easiest route to a trophy, with most MLS clubs needing to win at most four, but usually three or even two games versus MLS opponents and one to two games versus lower league sides. In 2002, that unfortunate lower league side for Columbus was the A-League's Richmond Kickers. They got matched up in the third round against the crew, and it was not pretty. If you're wondering how serious Columbus was going to take this competition, the team basically started its entire first 11, scored Brian, scored, uh, um, saw Brian McBride score a pen and Dante Washington get a brace on route to a 3-0 drubbing of the A-League side. This then would take them forward to meet the greatest team on turf, the New York, New Jersey Metro Stars. That's right. We're fantastic. Once again, Andrewlis trotted out a strong starting 11 and it paid off. McBride got on the board early at 34 minutes. And 20-year-old, almost U.S. soccer president, Kyle Martino, scored right at the start of the second half to make it 2-0. Faria would score for the Metro just minutes later to make it a game, but it would not be enough, as Columbus would hold on and move to the game that matters most for this story. The U.S. Open Cup semifinals versus the Kansas City Wizards. This game was not about who started. However, it was about those who came in and made a difference. The starters did not start out so hot. Chad McCarty put one in the back of his own net just two minutes into the game to give KC a 1-0 lead. 62nd minute, Chris Brown would double KC's lead, leaving all 2,103 fans at Ohio Stadium feeling like the end was near and their cup run was over. But an immediate sub would make all the difference, and that sub was John Wilmer Perez. Brought on directly after the goal, he jump-started a comeback with the help of Edson Buttle, who scored a 76-minute goal to cut the lead in half. As time ticked on, hope was being lost as the game neared the 90th minute and into extra time. Then, John Wilmer Perez decided that it was time for him to play hero. He got the ball over the line in the 92nd minute to get the game to extra time, and his heroics did not end there. A banger of a shot, as it is quoted, flew past Tony Miola in the 108th minute of play to send the Columbus crew to the U.S. Open Cup final. The coaches of this team, uh, or Andrewlis, the coach of uh, the crew, was quoted as saying it was certainly an entertaining game. Not the way you draw it up, but I think our guys showed a tremendous amount of heart and determination and never-say-die attitude. On the flip side, Wizards head coach Bob Gansler I thought we were the better team for 75 minutes. After Chris Brown's goal, we felt that we were in good shape. Obviously, their first goal in the 76th minute gave them momentum, and they just kept coming at us. Then I felt in the first overtime, we were the better side, and we were closer to scoring and did a good job of creating opportunities. 
the work was there, the effort was there, the intensity was there, the passion and all of it was there. But we needed to finish the game in regulation. We had plenty of opportunities. Precky had one go off the crossbar, and there were a couple of opera- other opportunities to make it 3-0, and we just ran out of gas at the end. It's quite clear that Casey felt hard done by, but at the end of the day, it's not feelings, but scores that put you through. Chicago would move on then to the final game against none other than the LA Galaxy. For anybody who wants to rewatch that match, the U.S. Open Cup final between these two teams is posted on YouTube and features 90 minutes of our good friend John Bush in goal. And it starts off pretty early with him catching an elbow to the side of the head from Carlos Ruiz in the ninth minute of play. If VAR was around back then, he was off. It was quite clear. He loaded up, bang, caught him right in the side of the head. Bushy did well to get up and continue playing for the rest of the game, but it was shocking that they only saw yellow. In the 30th minute, everybody's favorite talking head, Alexi Lalas, would go in for a challenge and miss the ball completely. Brian West, not to be confused with Brian White, played across into the box, carried away by goalkeeper Matt Reese right into the path of Kenny Garcia, who volleyed it home into an empty net for the 1-0 lead. Fast forward to the second half, where again, if VAR had been here, Ruiz would have gotten a second red card. He was on the ground uh, in a mix-up with McCarty and threw an elbow right at McCarty's midsection. McCarty got up and gave a shove the refs missed the original elbow and gave McCarty a yellow for the response and retaliation. That was about as, as feisty as things got, uh, as the rest of the game was very MLS 1.0. Low-quality play, low-quality chances, not much happening, until the 83rd minute when LA was handed a lifeline in the form of a second yellow card to McCarty. They were up a man with about 10 minutes to go. The first yellow was soft. The second one was kind of okay. Uh, I still don't know if it would be given to the, in, in this day uh, MLS, but that's neither here nor there because it was given on that day. The Galaxy would fight hard, seeing a 91st-minute effort saved by Bush, fumbled into open play, followed up was cleared by Varzika after the scramble in front nearly caused the game to go level. Somebody called for a PK, uh, but instead a corner was given. Then with 15 seconds left, a big cross comes into the box, Bush climbs over a defender and a striker to punch the ball away. And as the ball flies away, the full-time whistle goes. The boys, including our podcast friend, John Bush, I don't know if you guys know we're friends with John Bush, it's whatever. Um, he is he is losing his mind. He is on the ground celebrating. He is screaming, fist pumping. Uh, his interviews were great. I mean, you could tell he was loving it. He... Uh, you, he lost his voice during his the end of his interviews. He's trying to talk, and he's like screaming at the person at the microphone. It was fantastic. Uh, and it, it really showed what it meant for Columbus going seven years with the support that they did, finally getting that, that title and that trophy. And again, one of those games that 2,000 people were at the semifinal. It was a decent amount of more people at the final, but it was those people who were there who bought into the system, who bought into MLS, who bought into the team to say, this is where I want to go. This is what I want to be a part of. However, for the Galaxy, while they were very close to doing a treble, this was the one that got away. Is that the transition point? That's the segue, yep. Very nice, very nice. Uh, honestly, I'm not going to lie. It may be shame on me for not knowing this, but did not remember that Bush played for Columbus. 
That's awful. You are off the pod. I remember three, him. Three podcast ban. I remember him being on San Jose. Like, that's just kind of the team I match with Bush. He was the, he was bigger at Columbus than he was in San Jose. He was bigger at Columbus and Chicago than he was at San Jose, but okay. Maybe it's a, uh, I don't know. Didn't he, I think he was, he did San Jose towards the end of his career. Yes. I think it's more so recency that I kind of placed with it. Yeah. You, uh, you've got a three podcast ban for that <laughs> lack of ball knowledge. Straight red card. Okay. All right. So now that we've completely ruined your very good transition, let's talk about the LA Galaxy's 2002 season where they look to finally break the cup final drought. So going into the 2002 MLS season, the league has thus far been dominated by one team, DC United. In the first four seasons of MLS's existence, DC made all four MLS Cup finals, winning three of the four, arguably one of the greatest dynasties in MLS history. However, there was another team with consistent success. However, they just lacked that finishing touch, the cherry on top, if you will. The LA Galaxy. The team uh, we look back on now with thoughts of massive success and some of the biggest names in MLS history were also a very good side, but could not find a way to get their hands on the on the cup. By 2002, the club had gotten their hands on, I believe, every trophy, if not almost every trophy. Supporter Shield, US Open Cup, CCL, but could not get their hands on the elusive MLS Cup despite making the finals three times to this point. Maybe this year was different, though. The team was strong on paper and boasted some new names that would have monster impacts for them, one of which being Carlos Ruiz. Ruiz came over from Municipal in Guatemala, where he tore it up, scoring 69 goals in 143 games. At first, Ruiz was skeptical of making the move to MLS, with him being quoted as basically thinking MLS was a retirement league, which in fairness, probably wasn't too wrong at that time. However, he said that he was pleasantly surprised by the level of play and became uh, and became excited to play here. Also, a very consistent quote from people that come over and play in MLS. Just saying, eat that Euro snobs. We'll go. Uh, we'll get to more on him later. Another new face was former MLS Pro 40 member Tyrone Marshall. The Jamaican international was coming over as the ninth pick in the allocation draft after the Miami Fusion folded in 2001. In addition to the new faces were some uh, some familiar ones as well, such as MLS legends Kobe Jones and Alexi Lalas. The team looked really strong on paper and were poised for another run at the cup. The season was very up and down through the first uh, 17 weeks, with the team going 7-2-7 and, and sitting fourth in the Western Conference, nine points behind, believe it or not, league leaders San Jose. However, the season would take off for them from here, with the Galaxy finishing the remaining 12 games by going 9-1-2, and two, getting 51 points and winning the Supporters' Shield. Surely this form will be a major boost for them going into the playoffs. So playoff format was still the same as we discussed in recent episodes. With this being a best of three series where it was scored as three points for a win and one point for a draw. First team to five points would win. The, LA, the Galaxy would be matched up with a tough first round opponent, the KC Wizards, a team just two years removed from winning the Shield Cup double. 
As expected, the Wizards fought hard. Game one went to the Galaxy, but only after Carlos Ruiz scored an extra time. Game two was a blowout 4-1 win for the Wizards and put the Galaxy on the brink of yet another playoff exit. Luckily for them, Game 3 was at the Rose Bowl, and the Galaxy would take full advantage of home field with a blowout win of their own, winning the game 5-2 with another two goals from Ruiz. Next up for them, in the Western Conference Finals, were the Colorado Rapids. This this was a Rapids side that struggled this season, but found a way to sneak past the Dallas Burn in the first round of the playoffs. However, this series was a reminder to the league that the the Galaxy were here and they were here to win. The Galaxy would smash the Rapids 4-0 in Game 1, following that up with a 1-0 win in Colorado, sending them to the MLS Cup Final while keeping Colorado completely off the scoreboard. In their series against Colorado, three more goals were scored by Ruiz. On to the final, but would this just be like the last three finals appearances for them? Or was this time different? Another bit of luck for the Galaxy, the Eastern Conference stunk this season. The New England Revolution won the East with 38 points and a losing record, won the Eastern Conference. Meaning that whoever came out of the Western Conference had to be the favorite going into the final. And speaking of the Revs, they would be the last obstacle uh, looking to stop the Galaxy from their first MLS Cup. The Revs were led by up-and-coming star Taylor Twellman, who finished the season with 23 goals, almost winning the Golden Boot. Wink, wink. Despite New England's struggles that season, this was still a massive final, with 61,316 in attendance, second all-time attendance record in a cup final, behind Atlanta, of course. I'll be honest, though. The game finished regular time 0-0 and was pretty boring. There are a few chances here and there, but not much else going on. So off to extra time we go. And then if nothing there, off to penalties. Overtime was largely dominated. Overtime was largely dominated by the LA Galaxy, but ultimately they couldn't get anything through the first 15 minutes. However, in the second 15 minutes, that's where the Galaxy would find their winner. In the 22nd minute of overtime, Tyrone Marshall would find himself uh, find himself down the right wing with Ruiz and one defender in the attack with him. The defender decides to run right at Marshall, leaving Ruiz wide open in the middle. Marshall picks out the pass, leaving Ruiz with one thing left to do, the thing he's been doing all season long. Ruiz collects and shoots past the scrambling Aiden Brown and finds the bottom right corner. Game over. The LA Galaxy are finally MLS Cup champions after their fourth attempt at the title. Might I add that this was also a Shield and Cup double, and as Andrew mentioned before, was this close to being a treble. I said I would revisit Carlos Ruiz, and while I mentioned him a few times, uh, specifically in the playoffs, I didn't fully revisit him. He'd finished the regular season with 24 goals, beating out Twelman by one and taking home the golden boot. Tack on the eight goals he scored in the playoffs, and he finished the season with an astounding 32 goals scored. This would stay the Galaxy's all-time leading goal scoring record until 2019 when it was broken by the legend himself, Zlatan. Uh, And I think that's just from a regular season perspective. I can't remember exactly if that includes playoff goals. 
Because of those numbers and the Galaxy's success, Ruiz would take home the MLS MVP award. However, surprisingly enough, despite the Galaxy's Shield Cup double, they would not win any any of the other awards other than goal of the season by Ruiz. And that wraps up the story of the first of many MLS Cups for arguably the most successful franchise in MLS history. I want to throw a caveat here. Not a caveat, but I want to add on to this Shield story. Because okay. you, you very briefly touched it, but this race to the Shield was insane. So first off, you mentioned the start off for the season, which was mid. Their first six games all went to extra time. Six extra time games in a row which would have been six draws today, but they won three of them in extra time, drew two of them, and lost one, setting themselves up okay. They then lost six of their next 10, won seven of the next 10 after that, and set them up for a home-and-home series with the San Jose Earthquake Earthquakes, who, as you mentioned, were the top two teams in the West, a.k.a. the top two teams in the Shield race, because the East was awful. <laughs> San Jose was leading the race on goal differential going into this last two weeks of the season. In match week 27, Carlos Ruiz, the season's golden boot winner, scored a 94th minute game-winning goal to get the Galaxy three points up with one to play. All the Galaxy needed was one point in the last match to secure it, but if San Jose scored and won at in any, any margin, it was theirs. The last game of the season went 0-0, all the way up again until the 94th minute where Carlos Ruiz stepped up and scored a penalty to clinch the supporter shield at the last uh at the last minute of the season which i just thought was insane because i didn't like when you look at it from just the standings like oh they won it by 6 points but the team that they beat they had to play in the last 2 weeks back to back to win the shield which is something you'll never see again but I just thought it was super crazy because uh, this also was them curing. Not only did they cure the uh, the MLS Cup heartbreak, but they also cured the Supporter Shield heartbreak because in 1999, they missed out on the title by three points, one game. So they were oh so close, and they finally got that one too. So a season of massive success for the LA Galaxy. Yeah, they did get the they did get the shield in '98, so they at least had their hands on it previously. Did they? Looks like it. That's not what I saw. <gasps> Scandals. What did well, I we miss? Can check into it again. But yeah, that's a that's definitely a really cool fact to add in. I didn't see the uh, breakdown of the games, so it's kind of wild that they. I'm sure they didn't purposely set it up so that it'd be one two playing no. back to back to end the season. But it's kind of cool that it ended up being that way. So. The only reason I figured out is because I, I looked at the stand. I'm like, okay, they won the Shield by six points. I literally had typed out because this. I thought I was going to do this episode. But I literally typed out like, oh, yeah, this wasn't really super crazy. Like, you know, they, they won the thing by six points. And I'm like, wait a second, San Jose back-to-back? And then I went back to Wikipedia. I'm like, oh, my God, San Jose came in second. What happened? So I ran all the way back, and I was like, oh, cool. Um, we talk a lot about the 2017 San Jose team. Oh, yeah, they did have it in 97, 98. My you bad. Say the, you say the 97? I'm oh, sorry, Nin- did you say the 2017 San Jose team? No, no, no 97, 98 uh, Supporter Shield is is what I was referring to. So I saw Supporter Shield and MLS Cup runner-up on top of each other. 
so I merged them together. That was on me. No, so we talk a lot about the 2017 Toronto team that was a treble winner. Mm-hmm. And we talk about 2018 Red Bull who were like super close. This 2002 Galaxy team was genuinely the closest for a long, long time of actually getting this done. And getting the three hardest ones done, by the way. This wasn't a Canadian Championship Shield Cup type of thing. This was U.S. Open Cup, which is tougher with zero hesitation. Um, Cup and Shield in the same year. So one goal away. Good looks, John Bush, for for ruining that. Well done. <laughs> um, no, but that's that's super cool. So uh, another good another good episode reliving some some good moments in MLS history. I will say the the true treble will be getting the shield, the cup, and CCL. I think so that's, that's the ultimate one. So you mean LAFC, LAFC this year? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. FCC might have something to say about that. Man, can you ima- can you imagine 2017 watching Carlos Vela score 34 goals, watching FC Cincinnati score like 12 all season, and then say, yeah, in in six years we're going to be saying FC Cincinnati is going to challenge LAFC for the cup and the shield. Yeah, stopping LAFC from doing like the ultimate treble is FCC. <laughs> you couldn't yeah. pay me enough money to believe that back then. Yeah, but don't worry, if we had pro rel, this totally would be happening. Oh, yeah. FCC would definitely not be like completely gone by now. Thanks so much, everybody, for watching another episode of MLS History Retold. If you enjoyed it, make sure you follow us wherever you get your podcasts so you know when we go live. Make sure you follow us on all forms of social media so you know when uh, we post our clips. You can interact with us, watch the individual clips. You can watch the edited ones with all the pictures and videos and stuff. Those are really cool, too. Uh, and make sure you share. Tell your friends, uh, you know, let's start talking MLS history as it as it evolves right in front of us. Because that's what this is all about. Um, but yeah, thanks again so much for watching. And we will see you next time on the next episode of the Designated Players Podcast. See ya.